digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I'm your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Mr. TJ2, the deuce. Ooh, I'm drinking a great big glass of scary juice. It's just vodka, isn't it? None of your business. (laughs) It's scary vodka. (laughs) And always by my side and always in my heart is Mr. Will the Thrill. And I'm happy to be both of those things. Greetings and salutations. So, uh, honey, do you care to tell the audience? And my brother, do you care to tell the audience why we're not starting our series on Dwayne Allman yet? Will, I'll let you go first. Why we're not? Because work has sucked. That's pretty much the short <laughs> answer. Um, yes, we are having huge issues and my work days are really, really long. And thanks to moving some things around, we are going to get to Dwayne next week. Yes, and then TJ, do you care to tell the audience why we're not waiting, you know, till Sunday to record? Because <clears throat> I'm going on vacation and stuff, and yeah. I, I can't be bothered to do things on vacation, sorry. <laughs> so, we apologize, but we did want to bring you guys an episode today, and so that's going to be our October Slap Nuts. Yay! And it's going to be super scary. Ditto, yeah. honey. <laughs> Does anyone actually eat those? If they're the last thing. We've kind of we discussed favorite Halloween candy before. What's what's the worst Halloween candy? Worst. The worst worst uh, candy you ever you ever got in your candy bag. Okay. Do you know those things that are wrapped in like wax paper and you've never seen them in a store, but old people tend to have a lot of them and they're like strawberry adjacent flavored? It, and it, the outside looks like strawberry? No, it just, it's like a pink, you know, like, wrapping. There's no markings on it whatsoever. It's like a cough drop, really, isn't it? No, it's not. I'll try to show you a picture of it, but, like... Okay, because there, yeah. is, there is the popular old lady candy that is vaguely strawberry adjacent, but the wrapper looks like a strawberry. No, I've seen those and those things are not great, but in a pinch, like if you've got a sweet tooth and you need to fix it, like that, that's not the worst thing in the world. These things are like hunks of, there's no discernible shape either. I think they're going for circular or cylindrical, but it doesn't exactly work. It's terrifying. So that and circus peanuts, but I don't think people give that out at Halloween, but circus peanuts are definitely like, the worst circus peanuts my god candy candy corn gets a lot of flag i love candy corn candy corn about is fine but i I like i need like like eat i need like two pieces and i'm good like i don't want any more than that i would say circus peanuts are an abomination upon humanity the worst one to me was did you ever get nico wafers yeah yeah they suck (laughs) yeah <laughs> they're they're very non like they're there but they're not you know they're they're well it's very like it's almost like it's not even candy it's just right. like this a small tasteless disc it's like it's like eating the the paddle from the fun deal okay okay guys i found a picture of what i was talking about so because i just found out that north carolina banned it for some reason what? 
Yeah, North Carolina hmm. has banned it. But taffy, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, saltwater taffy. That that is not. It just which, says which can be good or bad depending on the flavor. It depends so, on where you get yeah. it. Um, I have no. This ways, is this very... is not. It's it says the city of High Point, North Carolina, takes its Halloween candy very seriously, and I guess they're known as peanut butter kisses. But that's not like the Hershey's kisses I know. I will defend that it's terrible. I'm assuming it's because that kids have peanut allergies. Well, I think I'm Hershey's just... also steers clear of anything peanut buttery because the conflict with Reese's. So no, they, they try do. To do other they do. Things. They do have the little peanut butter kisses. I'm pretty sure they do, unless that was really, a fever yeah. dream, but a very good fever dream. Two quick things. One, do y'all remember giant sweet tarts? Yes. Yeah. God. <laughs> okay. Yes. I do. Okay. So there's giant sweet tarts, but then once upon a time, I was traipsing up and down. Cortland Street, where LD and I lived in Chester, South Carolina, when we were kids. And I guess I didn't understand the whole, if people don't have their lights on, you should leave them alone thing. Then I beat on the, um, this, I, I beat on this door and a lady on the other side said, who is it? And I was like, it's Halloween trick or treat. And she goes, oh, I'll call my son to come get you. Oh I God. Like, I, I just want what? some candy. It's Halloween. I'm sorry. And so she opened, opened the door and handed me something wrapped up in a paper towel and she just dropped it in my bag. And upon inspection later, it was four saltine crackers. Oh, she tried. Yeah, put in the effort. Now, if only somebody had given me a can of soup. <laughs> Even that's not enough for a can of saltine crackers. A copy of Windows 95. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Will, what about you? What's what's like your your worst? See, that's just it. I tend to gravitate towards the candies most people hate. Like, I love black licorice. Most people hate it. Because it, it's medicinal, honey. Um, I like good and plenties that are black licorice based. I think the one thing LD you and I agree on is Butterfingers are pretty awful. Well, because Fifth Avenue exists. <laughs> it's it's if, superior in every way. If we did not know Fifth Avenue existed, then Butterfingers probably would be okay. But like even, you know what though, even though they suck, Butterfingers, like the mini Butterfingers are not that bad because it's like that's, in that's small That's the thing. Doses. It's. It gets overwhelming when you eat an entire one, but like the little fun size ones, they're, they're good. They're fine. Yeah. Like little one biters, yeah, I'll, I can deal with that. Yeah. Just Fifth Avenue is so much better. It Fifth Avenue really is, is so much better. And I don't think they make a miniature Fifth Avenue because I would be all over that. <laughs> that. I would be 300 pounds at 5'1, and it would be because of the Fifth Avenues. So maybe that's a good thing that it doesn't actually exist. 300 pounds, only if she's 5'1. <laughs> All right, so TJ, our guide, tell us what we're doing today. What are we doing here? What's happening? Okay, well, in the spirit of the very spooky season, Ooh. we are doing three sort of Halloween-ish scary thing topics. We will be running through our top five favorite murder ballads. We kind of did horror songs before, so we wanted to do something a little different. So our top five favorite murder ballads. Will came up with an interesting one. We're going to give our idea on who the, quote, master is of horror in one of three formats, that being film, song, and written word. So looking forward to that one. And then we have... Uh, one that LD thought of, it's best use of a non-horror song in a horror movie. So you can't just use, like, the theme from Hellraiser. <laughs> yes. Or or something like that. It has to be, like, a, 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 a non-horror song used to some effect in a horror movie. So that is what we got. Perfect. 
And I do believe that, you know, we should go ahead and start with what Will came up with. And uh, Will, I think you should be the first one to usher us in. So let's talk about the Masters of Horror. Yes. So when I originally proposed this idea, you know, we were going to do it like a a listicle, if you will, but um, uh, we go to we hell. Determined go to that hell, would be, no, that would be like its own stop episode. Right you stop right now. You're off the show. Goodbye. Go to hell. Yeah, and, I, and then, that's how I lost my job. I despise, I despise um, the word listicle so much. I hate it worse than LD hates Americana. I, do. <laughs> I don't know. If really oh, God. Somebody said, who was it that we were talking to like yesterday or the day before? And they said conversation piece. And I almost the guy punched in, in Battle and Brew, Christian. Oh, Trist yeah. Tristan. Tristan. I thought his it was Christian. Was, his name was Tristan. And he, he was, was very polite, not to correct me then. And he was 28. And I cringed at that because I'm like, oh, God, I'm almost twice your age. Yet, no, he, he said conversation piece. And in a full bar, I almost knocked him out solid cold. And he was a very you nice love. guy. <laughs> But listicle, you suck. I hate you. Go away. Well, you're also a journalist, so that's like a yes. thing. Yes. So. Yes, a fake, made-up, clickbait, bullshit thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, honey. All right. So instead of everything we just said, which is all true, we opted to kind of pick our favorite in each category of horror. So we're looking at those who are auteurs, if you will, in the world of cinema, horror cinema. Those who have done wonderful work in the spooky world of music. So we have music. Movies, and we're capping it off with the written word, authors. So, who are your masters of horror cinema, scary music, and scary literature? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Shall I kick things off? Absolutely. All right. Let's start with film. And those who know me will not be surprised by this answer at all. I have to tip the hat to the late, great Wes Craven. Fair. Yeah. Yep. He's I, a genuine horror master. He would have been my number one pick, but I felt you would pick him. So I ch intentionally chose someone else. But yes, it's, yeah. that is uh, almost impossible to argue with that. And the crazy thing is, is like the ups and downs his career had in just creating new genres of horror. I mean, really, if you think about it, he sort of ushered in that sort of nouveau slasher movement. But the biggest thing, and I think LD will agree on this, is he changed the game completely with Scream. 
I fully agree with that because what happened was he helped sort of, he eased himself into the horror genre and he came out swinging because I believe one of his first things that he ever did was the last house on the left. It was. And that yeah. was, that was something that was shocking to people because they had never really seen that, that much exploitation in a horror film. And then he came back with something completely different, which was a nightmare on Elm street and then dying genre you know, mid nineties, 1996 slashers were all but dead. And he came in with scream. We'll say that I feel like he dipped his toe into the meta side of horror when he did a new nightmare, but oh, he really, really knocked it out of the park with scream. And that is, I will to this day tell you that, that is my favorite series, except for number three, three is the worst, <laughs> but all the, the other ones movie our dog saw. Are all, all all of the Scream films are fun, fantastic, self-aware, and really fit with the times. You know, it's it, because the first one was great because it was people who were fans. The second one was a natural progression of taking a high schooler to college. The third one went completely off the rails. And you're like, but there's a reason for it going completely off the rails because it was supposed to come out, I believe, just a few weeks prior to nope excuse me after columbine happened and so yes. because of that that kind of changed the industry and so some things got batted around also there was apparently a leak and so things had to be changed but then the fourth actually dealt with people that are streamers and vloggers and then the fifth one you know he just he had this way the fifth one he didn't have any um connection to but Radio Silence took that over. I think they, they're really good. They're really like a new team that I'm really looking forward to because they also did Ready or Not and they're amazing. But yes, I fully agree. Wes Craven, Master of Horror. And just real quick here, don't forget how diverse his catalog is. It's like, yes, it's all scary, but he also did The People Under the Stairs. He did Shocker. He did The Serpent and the Rainbow. I mean, such diverse and the hills have eyes. Things. Yeah, yeah hills have eyes, yeah. Which is creepy as brown. It is super creepy. Yeah. yeah. Just, I remember walking through like Pick a Flick and just the cover. I was like, oh my God, what is that? I want to see <laughs> what that. What am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, after I came out of the cur the uh, curtained off corner area, didn't even know uh, yes. that. Don't don't so, even know um, that. Thank you. Dom. That's my that's my uh, cinema auteur is the great Wes Craven, who is sadly podcast eligible. So too bad. He he's not podcast eligible. He wasn't a singer or producer. no, but in the sense that he meets one requirement, which is perhaps the most important. Yes. Yes. So farewell and thank you, Wes. Music going with Danny Elfman. Yeah, fair. Okay. I mean, I was a Boingo fan who became an Elfman fan, and I know a lot of people kind of share that and i mean boingo's music is phenomenal for those of you who don't know lango boingo please listen if you don't listen to anything except the dark at the end of the tunnel album you will not be disappointed and there's a creepy vein there of music as well but you know it was really two guys that gave him his break in film scoring and it was tim burton and paul rubens yeah 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 and I... he went on to score over a hundred movies one hundred wow. Unbelievable. Um, and for albums, if you haven't heard the music for a darkened theater, it's a great collection of his work, really up until about, I'd say, uh, 95, 94. Really solid. And again, just everything he does turns to gold. So well done there. We've got uh, Wes Craven, we got Danny Elfman, and rounded out with literature. I'm going with the one scary author who has stuck with me through the years, Edgar Allan Poe. Solid choice. Again, We're talking about this. Once yeah. again, that would that would be my actual number one. I knew you would pick him, so I took someone else. 
Well, I thank you for that. Um, Interesting. He, I mean, the stories he's written really hold up today. And it's just, it's incredible how when you read them, how isolated you feel with those characters. He really does a job of making them feel like they are out of it. They are not in place. And it's in the worst possible way. And his writing just masters that. I think it's brilliant. And the fact that still to this day, number one, we have no idea how he actually died. Mm-hmm. Um, they think it was a thing called birding. I think that's what it's called. Basically, people would be kidnapped, taken to other counties, dressed in other people's clothing, and would vote. And mm-hmm. so it was supposed to be like a, and then, you know, they'd be drugged and all this terrible stuff. Just proving that history is the worst time to live in. Uh, but it's the 1800s. Just, it's the past. It was the worst. So his stories are still still referenced and remade today. In fact, I'm going to mention something in a couple minutes, but I guess I'll just blow it now. There's a new miniseries coming out based on his work. Wednesday, the TV show Wednesday is littered with Edgar Allan Poe references. Like he still has an effect on people today with his writings. He is a master. And uh, I guess this qualifies as a fun fact. Fun Fun fact. We need those in every episode. He was at one point stationed on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina when he was in the military. Interesting. That is yep. a fun If you fact. can go to Sullivan's Island now, there's a very popular restaurant called Poe's Tavern. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yep. I think he was Fort Moultrie. You can double check me on that. I think that's the one that's on Sullivan's. But um, yeah, he was actually stationed. He lived in South Carolina for a while when he was stationed uh, at Sullivan's on, on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina. Excellent. Good to know. That is my list, folks. Cool. TD, you want to go? What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite story of his? Will oh, it really depends. I'm a big fan of the Cask of Amontillado. That's, that's that's about one or one A for me for sure. Yeah, I would say that's probably. I like the Black Cat too. Um, yeah, it's, it's my, between those two. Both are excellent. The well, the the other probably co number one for me is one that it's deep on so many levels is the Telltale Heart. Love Telltale Heart. It really is. Yeah. My my I love the I love that story. So dad go much. It's a good one. My personal favorite is the Masquerade of the Red Death. Yep. Because it says like no matter how rich you are or no matter your station in life, death will find you. And I kinda yep. like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I mean this the is Raven, me showing my morbid the, side. The pendulum, hop frog. I mean, you can just go down the list. They're all fantastic. There's he no was, bad ones. So, yeah. He was so damn good. And lived a horrible life. I mean, yep. just horrendous. Just yeah. Absolutely horrendous. Just hideous. Don't go see the movie about him, though, because it's terrible. It's so bad. Well, it I'm was not the, going to. It was hey. the John, John Cusack hey, movie hey, no that came out. There. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, we watched it. The John... I sadly remember that, yes. I vaguely remember it, but it the was Raven not. on Blu-ray or Supernatural? <laughs> yep. All right. So, uh, T, do you want to go or shall I? I can go ahead and go. There were a lot of good candidates for a film. My actual pick would probably have been Wes Craven, but I'm going to have deferred to Will on that one. So I'm going to go with uh, somebody who uh, was an early hero of mine. What he did is what I wanted to do. I just had no ability in that department. That would be, this is not a writer and it's not a director. I'm going with Rick Baker. Nice. He is an auteur. An absolute master of makeup, of special effects. You just start going down the list, and it is, 
absolutely incredible. Okay, so The Exorcist, mm-hmm. King Kong, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, An American Werewolf in London, The Howling, Videodrome. He actually, LD, did both work on both Thriller and Captain EO, <laughs> believe it or not. Yep. Um, did some some non-horror movies, too, coming to America. He did the makeup for that, and it was terrific. He did Men in Black, Ed Wood, Gremlins 2, just X-Men, Tron, Maleficent. You know, and he, he's, he's retired now, but he started, I think, when he was mid-teens making body parts in his mom's kitchen. That's not creepy. Aww. I saw a great interview with him. I want to, you can watch it. It's on YouTube. It's an older, maybe Joe Rogan episode, but where he talks about American Werewolf in London. And when he first watched it, he was very disappointed because he was so pleased with the transformation scene and then with the werewolf. And he's like, if you add it up, the werewolf gets like two minutes of screen time, I think, in the entire movie mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. At first, he was like, damn, it works so hard on that and it looks so good. But then he, he ended up getting it, that the implication that it's there is scarier than you actually seeing it constantly. The, the newness of that would wear off, you know, and he, he, he came to get that. But I just, I think he was just freaking brilliant. And um, I wanted to be a special effects uh, dude at one point. I just have no attitude for that whatsoever. L, LD is actually really good at makeup and whatnot. But Aww, um, thank you. But um, I, I have no aptitude for anything of that sort. So uh, that was a dream that went by the wayside, but I've always been a big fan of Rick Becker. I may have gone in a slightly different direction than you or, or took the assignment slightly different than you will because we're talking about horror music. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, the, the, the first and really only name that came to mind was Alice Cooper. I mean, hey. that's fair. That fits. So he was the original shock rocker. He was one of the first people, now many would, would do this after him, but that that he had, now there were people who did a stage show, who did a real presentation, but not a horror presentation so much. That was pretty much an Alice thing. Then, of course, very famously included a guillotine, chopping his head off and all kind of other stuff going on. Um, very unfortunately, in one show, someone threw a chicken on stage. Alice, being a city boy from Detroit, thought it's got wings, it's got feathers, it'll fly. Then he, he picked it up and tossed it, and it didn't fly as much as it dropped uh-huh. into the audience, ripped it to pieces, and then it began throwing bits of bird parts at Alice. Jesus. Oh, my God. And huh. there were stories, apparently. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. Let me, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. Who brings a chicken to a concert what security guard that's always been alice's question he said who who was getting ready to you know head to the auditorium and go like all right got got our tickets i got my wallet got some money got my chicken yep we're good to go (laughs) and what security guard sneak it in how does nobody know there's a chicken like a security guard had to look at this man and go that's normal yep clear i'm picturing it being like like a bad kid's cartoon it's like there's like two kids wearing a long trench coat the chicken's <laughs> head is poking out the top and... <laughs> but you know and there was a story appeared in the press the next day that said he sacrificed this chicken on stage which he did not do he was horrified when he saw that and frank zappa saw that story and called him and said did you sacrifice a chicken on stage and he said god no of course not and Frank supposedly said, well, don't tell anybody. It's the best story ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he embraced horror in his music. Welcome to my nightmare. Welcome to my nightmare, which was a sequel to that. And he had 
songs like Feed My Frankenstein and featured, Poison. Featured uh, in Wayne's World. Yep, yep. Featured in Wayne's World, of course. The, his videos have the horror presentation. His album Sleeves did. So you, when you said horror and music, the first thing that popped in my mind was Alice Cooper. So that's what I went with. Um, hey. And then as far as writer goes, I, I novelist, um, I knew you would pick Poe. And I ceded that one to you. There's somebody I think LD is going to take. So I didn't take them. And it's a pretty obvious choice. If one of us doesn't take it, we're going to look a little silly, but whatever. So I actually said, you know what? I'm just going to go with somebody else. Just I really liked or I adored. So I went just in a totally different direction. Somebody who whose work I just loved. I mean, was borderline obsessed with when I was growing up. And that would be Clive Barker. Nice. Good, solid choice. He did Hell House, correct? Hellraiser. He, no, he I... did Hellraiser. But did he um, write Hell House? We could look it up, but I'm not sure. He had uh, the Books of the Blood, right? He wrote, yes. Parts one through six. I read all mm -hmm. of them. My favorite of that whole series was one called Midnight Meat Train. Yes. Oh which God. I think was adapted into a movie that I never got to see. Of, of course, he wrote Hellraiser. I don't know how involved he was with the sequels. Maybe part two. I think after that, it was not. It had nothing to do with Clive. Wrote, he wrote a book called Cabal that was turned into Nightbreed, which was about a city full of monsters. It was the the gore level in his writing was like through the roof. But when I was, you know, 15 years old, that's completely what I was into. I just thought he was so creative and he came at things from such a demented point of view in a lot of cases. I just I, I love the dude's work. So I went with Clive Barker and that's my list. Excellent. That's a good choice. Yeah, no. Um, I there's a copy of a book that we have that I thought was called Hell House, which is not by my choice. So my my master of horror writing actually did write a book called Hell House, and that is Mr. Richard Matherson. He he wrote 16 episodes of The Twilight Zone, so that's probably where a lot of our audience might know him. But he wrote 29 novels and over a hundred short stories. And since his first appearance in 1950, every major writer of science fiction has basically cited him as an influence. And that includes Stephen King, Peter Straub, Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill, as well as filmmakers Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams. And basically what Matheson did differently was that he took horror out of the country, out of that gothic setting out of the castles out of the hillsides and he put them in suburbs he put them in cities and one of his best ones is uh, i am legend which has actually been turned into three now about to be four different films including last man on earth and mega man i am legend and the new i am legend reboot so uh, he is incredibly prolific and i actually got an opportunity to meet him when he was still alive and uh, he had signed my first edition copy of I Am Legend. And that was literally, there was a time, I don't know if we told our audience, but about a year ago, maybe, no, a little bit longer than a year ago, about two years ago, our apartment caught on fire. <laughs> like, our uh, our heating system, like, one of the wires, like, snapped and caught fire. And we got the cats out of the apartment, and I ran back into the apartment, and I discovered what my fire item was, like that one thing that you grab 
if the place is on fire and it was my signed copy of i am legend so <laughs> that's how much richard matherson means to me and so uh he's incredible his influence lasts to this day he's an incredible writer and he writes he doesn't he's not a howdy writer he writes so that we understand what you're trying to say it's not thee and thou it's hey and you and he's great and one of my favorite short stories of him is like a man comes into a, a funeral home and he sits down and he's talking to the undertaker and the undertaker says you know would you like for the coffin and the man's like i'll have the the most extravagant coffin i want it lined with satin and and the best pillows and she, how she'll she be dressed in the finest fabrics i want her beautiful hair flowing and for music i would like to get the best choir she's worth all the money in the world and then the the undertaker says when does she die and the the husband looks at her uh, looks at the undertaker and says as soon as i get home <laughs> and i love that story <laughs> and it's just that's what makes him so great as far as songs go like masters of creepy music i think you guys pretty much know my choice but i will say i was contemplating ozzy osbourne and guar because okay. i thought they're creepy and they wear you know costumes and stuff but i actually went with nick cave and the bad seed and that's not the only time you're going to hear them on this episode nick cave has got this deep bassy sound and pretty much everything that he sings about is creepy mm-hmm just so you guys know, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed formed in 1983, which is way earlier than I thought they had. And they're actually Australian, even though it doesn't come across vocally. It doesn't come across vocally for Kylie Minogue either, which collaborated with them on murder ballads for one song. But they also have like German influence because in 85 to 89, they actually moved to Germany. So Nick Cave... It's just one of my favorites. If I ever want to get creeped out and like feel like I need a shower, I'll just go listen to Nick Cave. <laughs> He's great. He's just Murder Ballads is a masterpiece in creep. It's great. And yes. they, I was I was actually gonna say, and then something popped in my head. I'm like my first thought was, you know, if you like the really dark side of Johnny Cash, like you would probably like Nick Cave. And then remembered that the two of them I think did a duet. Once upon a time, Nick Cave and Johnny Cash. I think they, I think they did. I'm so lonesome I could cry together. A cover of that on one of the American recording albums. They did. They actually also did a song called Cindy together as well. And then I want to say he covered the Mercy Seat. Mercy Seat, and oh my God, I feel like there's one more, and I'm forgetting it. If only we had the... Well, but they, they, if, they, they did collaborate, is my point. They did, but that's like the perfect, just like, that's the perfect deep-voiced fear that you want. And I <laughs> love him. Like, I just, I love him so much. So that is my, that's my creepy song, songbird. Creepy songbird. That's what I'm going for. Creepy songbird. For movies and TV, because uh, this guy is both... I chose Mike Flanagan. This probably this probably isn't a name that my brother is familiar with, but I actually got to spend three days with Mike Flanagan at the Stanley Hotel about this time last year for this thing called the No Sleep Doctor Sleep. And it's one of my favorite podcasts is the No Sleep Podcast. Shout out, if you like creepy content, go listen to the No Sleep Podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> And it's really interesting to see the progression from like episode one, where it was just 
David to now they have like a company. They have like a theater company, which is kind of like the Mercury Theater that rotates different stories. So they bring in talent, including Katie Siegel, who is Mike Flanagan's wife, who is so gorgeous and so insanely talented. But he yes, just he just surrounds himself with these amazing people. He's amazing himself. Hey, I hate to interrupt, but you know what's scarier than anything? Bills. We have to pay them. And that's why we have a word from these sponsors. We're back. Fun fact. Fun fact. Do you know where Mike Flanagan was born? I do not. Boston, right? Incorrect. He was actually <laughs> born in Salem. <laughs> oh, at the right state. Oh, makes that's funny. sense. It makes sense, though, right? Sure. So he did Absentia. He did Oculus. He did Hush. He did Before I Wake. He did Origin of Evil, Ouija, Origin of Evil, which was a massive step up from the original Ouija, which was a big flaming piece of crap it was yeah, terrible was file, you know? and he took the sequel and turned it into a masterpiece it was amazing and then he did gerald's game dr sleep which is a fault gerald's game is basically said it was unfilmable and he filmed it <laughs> and then he did the haunting of hill house which was high watermark of any television series much less a streaming series phenomenal then he did Dr. Sleep. He actually took up the mantle of taking a Stephen King novel and a Stanley Kubrick film. And it is one of my favorite films of all time. And we got to see it with Mike Flanagan. And it was amazing because then you actually get to tell him how awesome it is. <laughs> but he did The Haunting of Hill House. Then he did The Haunting of Bly Manor. And then he did what I think is one of the best vampire stories of all time which is midnight mass and then he did midnight club and the fall of house of usher which is based on up yep an edgar Allan post story yep yes and that's coming out and i cannot wait for it so this month so he is definitely my top pick for horror creator master of tv and film so that is my list as far as uh, those three go so we got Richard Matherson, Mike Flanagan, and Nick Cave in the Bad Seat. All right. Very good. All right. So uh, shall we do murder ballads next, boys? Sure. Murder. All right. Well, T, why don't you go first? Okay. I don't know that we'll have any intersections in this one because I went strictly country. Because <laughs> I, <would, laughs> I would say uh, people, getting, people getting whacked is kind of uh, country stock and trade. Common theme. Pretty much. Number five is a classic, and it's one that you just Google it and look how many people have cut this song. It's literally almost everybody you can think of. That would be Long Black Veil. Yeah. Mm. The I think Lefty Frizzell did it first. I'm not positive on that. You could check, but uh, he did. He's a, in anything that I've looked at, he is credited as the original. Okay. So Lefty was was the first, and this is classic murder ballad it's a guy who there is a murder in a town somebody sees somebody running away from the scene who looks like this guy and he's standing before the judge and the judge basically says if you can tell me you were somewhere else you know, if you have an alibi well, you're good turn you loose and he was somewhere else but he was banging his best friend's wife and rather than admit that he took the murder route and oh, wow. so so he ends up i think being hanged and his mistress visits his grave wearing a long black belt. Oh, very nice. So, but I mean, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, The Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan, literally everybody, I think, has cut a version of Long Black Veil. 
some point. It's a very, very, very popular murder ballad. Number four for me is going to be Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room, also known as She Wears Red Dresses by Dwight Yoakam. Hmm. I just keep forgetting Dwight Yoakam is a singer. <laughs> You're quite I, enamored with his acting skills. I am. He's just so dang good at it, you know? Yeah. But there's almost, it seems like there's not much he's not good at, to be perfectly honest with you. Great writer, great musician, great actor. The man had sold a lot of biscuits for crying out loud. I'm sure they were delicious. <laughs> but so if you've never heard the song, it's actually pretty lyrically it's pretty short. Might be 150 words long, maybe, but it packs a punch with every word. And it's he's talking about, you know, his wife and how beautiful she was, her black shining hair. She wore red dresses, he he mentions. But then she leaves him and then she runs to the arms of another man. And, you know, there's not even a chorus to this song. It's just a tagline, you know, in the first one, because she wore red dresses and told such sweet lies. And then the second one, she wore red dresses and left the wounded behind. And the final stanza, he says, I searched till I found them. Then I cursed at the sight of their sleeping shadows in the cold neon light. In the dark morning silence, I placed the gun to her head because she wore red dresses and now she lay dead. Oof. Damn boy. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Which, there, there's not, you know, Dwight's not one who does a lot of somebody needs killing songs, but that's a damn good one. So I wanted to put that on my list. Someone who's very well acquainted with that old boy needed killing is a guy named Chris Knight. And literally half of his songs are about somebody getting whacked. We actually played one maybe in our October Slapnuts last year, the Down the River. I mean, at least he's consistent. He's <laughs> very consistent. Long Black Highway is a great one. North Dakota, William, Carla Came Home. But I'm going to go with an oddly upbeat song called Becky's Bible. You know, there's a couple of guys playing cards. One of them accuses the other one of cheating. He draws his pistol, shoots him. And then the, the rest of the song is him running from the law. And by the end, he comes to the realization, can't, even though I, you know, I hunt and fish and I can hide in the woods and you know, out, out in the in the swamps and stuff, they're gonna they're gonna find me. They're you know, they're going to find me. And he just keeps saying, you know, I wonder if Becky's Bible is still in the glove box, because I'm sure gonna need it if that boy dies, because for a while the guy's in a coma. But he keeps talking about his wife Becky's Bible is, is what he keeps coming back to. It's great, terrific song, but oddly spry and upbeat for, you know, a song about somebody getting whacked. Huh. Uh, uh, number two, this is a guy who I've talked a lot about him. We played one of his songs, the, the Highwaymen version of it, and that that song would have fit this category. That band, the road goes on forever because Sherry does kill the cop at the end, and then Sonny takes the rap and he goes to the chair. But I decided to choose a different one since we discussed that song at length during our Waylon Jennings series. I picked Robert Earl Keane's Sonora's Death Row. Okay. And this is one where guys drinking cowboy is in a bar drinking mezcal. He goes to step outside. He hears somebody say your money or your life. He reaches for his guns not there. Then he wakes up and he's outside the bar. He gets up, he looks in the bar and he sees some other cowboys twirling his pistols and throwing his money around. So he goes back to his horse. He gets his rifle. He comes in and he kills one of them. And about that time, the mezcal starts wear off and he realizes all of his money is still in his pocket and his pistols are in their holsters. Oh, and the, yeah. And so the very last thing that you, you, the very last line in the song is him hearing them testing out the gallows. 
Just they're, just they're going to hang him. So, hmm. as you can tell, it's rather dark, but it's a it's a great song. Love Robert Earl Keane, and I would normally put something by Robert Earl number one, but given recent events, I decided that I'm going to bump up uh, the recently deceased and much missed Charlie Robinson with a song called Loving County. Loving County is on his Life of the Party record. It's about there's a lot going on in the song. It's about desperation. It's about love. It's about murder. It's about theft. And it's got a surprise twist ending. So if you've never heard it, check it out. It's called Loving County by the late, great Charlie Robinson. And that is my number one all-time murder ballad. Excellent. Nice. Good choice. Um, I guess I will go now. The first one, I don't think anybody that listens to this show needs any kind of explanation, but it's Delilah by Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Any song that can become popular enough to have it Sweet caroline I think is yep. good. And if you don't know what that means, just go into any karaoke bar and have someone sing Delilah and you see what you get. <laughs> of course, of course, I had to pick a Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song. And so I chose Where the Wild Roses Grow, which is that aforementioned collaboration between Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue that I spoke about before. It's basically this guy told from two perspectives where the girl doesn't understand why they call her the Wild Rose because her name was Eliza and she was killed. And it's told basically from two different perspectives and it's a it's a very eerie song and I do love it. Of course, this is another one that I feel like doesn't need any kind of explanation, but the night that the lights went out in Georgia, either the Vicki Lawrence or the Reba McIntyre version will do. Both of them are excellent. Uh, and got a resurgence recently, thanks to someone in South Carolina. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, them. That yeah, yeah, that that guy. You want to tell him who that guy is, T, since you're uh, in the... Uh... I, I would assume you're speaking of, of Alex Murdoch. Yeah, Alex Murdoch, yes. yeah. uh, who allegedly... Allegedly, uh, no, you don't have to say allegedly, he's been convicted. Oh, okay, so I don't, I can't be slander or liable if I say that he killed Correct. his wife. He, and he has okay. been found, he was found guilty in a court of law. Okay, so he, for double murder, yes. So I can say, yeah, he killed his wife and his son, and possibly someone else. There's a lot of dead bodies in that family's way. There's isn't a lot, there? there's a lot of stuff still to be un- unearthed uh, about that, yeah, yeah, so. That got a resurgence based on that because it was basically and, don't trust your soul to no backwoods southern lawyer. And did you <laughs> did you see who will be portraying him in a movie they're making? No, I, I saw they were making a film, but no, what? Who? Bill Pullman. Ooh. Really? Ooh, okay. Yeah. I would have gone with Dean Norris. Dean Norris was in Breaking Bad. He was in Total Recall. He was in Terminator 2. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Been a lot. It's not like I, he's been in a lot. You probably know his face if you saw his face, but I think he's like one of those guys. It's like, oh yeah, I, he's, he's in movies and you see him all the time and you're like, I can't figure out what his name is. Dean Norris is his name. Yeah. All I'll say before you get back to your list is if you did not watch that trial, it was riveting. It was unbelievable. Oh, mom hated it because he kept calling him Paw Paw, and she was like, oh, "Well, there's, well, yeah." It <laughs> wasn't without its quirks, but it's very <laughs> weird to like to sit there and watch that and see like several people I know personally on television. A part of that spectacle, it was pretty crazy. Lord, 
Yeah, that was like the biggest news case that's come out of South Carolina in a while. So in quite it, a while, yeah. it was it was wild. Then well, I, yes, he that that the that Murdoch got paired with the Knights, the night light, the Knights, the night the lights went out in Georgia, particularly the "Don't trust your southern and backwoods southern lawyer." That got memed quite a bit. Yes, it did, and I think that's why yep. it got a resurgence. So, yep. and then I kind of had a tie for number one, so I guess I'm going to make a a call. I'm going to say my number four choice is "Goodbye Earl" by the Chicks. Okay. That certainly qualifies as a murder. And uh, very graphic, too. Like, they talk oh, about how they detailed, get... detailed, yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's not just that it's a fun song about murder, which I don't it encourage. Is. But it's well-crafted. And the video is hysterical. And it's they, very funny, yeah. But they tell a good story. It's not just like, oh, hey, I want to kill this guy. It was, they have been friends since childhood. And one left to you know go out in the world and then another one stayed at home and found dennis franz so uh and then it talks about like what happens she comes to her side and they come up with a plan like it's a really well-written story too it's not just a good song it's a, it's a good story song yeah. no it is for sure a, yeah especially when they often with poison black-eyed peas exactly <laughs> and so my number one is thunder rolls by garth brooks um, yes, to fully get to the actual murder part, you have to hear the mysterious extra verse. Which he's good at. Otherwise, he's real otherwise good at. Otherwise, it's certainly, <laughs> you could say it's implied in in the version that got played on the radio. But if you get double live and hear the 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 secret extra verse, then it, it's very clear. Well, you also but have to he, remember, I tore yeah. through double live multiple times. I wrecked the tape. I wrecked the CD. I think I had it. Like, unfortunately, his stuff really isn't on streaming, but I, I destroyed Double Live multiple times just from, like, the amount I listened to it. Yeah. But, yeah, tonight will be the last time that she wonders where he's been. Exactly. she's got a gun. And she's about to kill him. Yeah. But yep. the thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love yep. grows cold on a sleepless night. Like, that's just good songwriting. And he's just, I've seen him twice live. And the first time it was like he was wearing jeans and a sweater and he was in the Wynn, I think. It was Steve Wynn's hotel, one of the hotels that Steve Wynn is in, in Vegas. And it was very intimate and it was amazing. And then the second time I saw him was like in a stadium. So I've seen him two different ways. And each time he's just incredible. So if you ever have a chance to go see Garth Brooks live, go see Garth Brooks live. I don't even care if you're not a country music fan. Go see it. He puts on an amazing show. He puts on a great show. Now, you, you don't have even have to really be a fan of his to just dig the show he puts on. It's super high energy. It's in, in really, really entertaining. Yeah. All right. So that is my list for Murder Ballad. So good night. Goodbye, Earl. Back to the Lights Went Out in Georgia, Where the Wild Roses Grow, and Delilah and Thunder Rolls. Mine are actually focused mostly on the 90s. I don't think this will surprise anybody, but we'll run them down. So it pretty much goes most of them are in the 90s. Two are not. So I'll go with the two that are not. First one is Hey Joe. Obviously, Jimi okay, Hendrix made it for famous. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the lyrics tell the entire story. He, yep. he shot his old lady he, down. That's he it. He <laughs> took his gun and he yep. shot her. Yep. And that's it. And again, that's one of those songs where we don't really know where it started. Apparently, it was like a busker who was performing it and someone took it and played it and kind of ran with there. So, Hey Joe. Uh, next one I'm actually going with is going to be Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden. 
Ooh, I actually almost picked that one, but I ended up going just all, all country with mine. But if I, that's certainly one I considered. Big time. This is, uh, you know, TJ, you and I are big Soundgarden fans. This is one that has really good double meaning. The lyrics are very spot on about what is going on in the song. This man is taking his wife out into the desert, dragging her as far as he can and murdering her. That's the hitch of the whole song. The other side of it is Cornell uses it as sort of a metaphor for his addiction. Right. So, yeah, there's two kind of forces at work there, which makes it very interesting. It's one of my favorite Soundgarden songs, period, actually. Oh, I think when we, when you did your Lane Staley series and we had a hellish set list exercise, and we had, <laughs> I think, four, maybe four Soundgarden songs or five, five. It was one that I put on my Soundgarden set list. And the next one is also from the 90s, Polly by Nirvana. That one's yeah. a rough one. It sure yeah. is. Inspired, I think you know, ZLD by the Green River Killer. I did not know it was the Green River Killer. I do know that mm-hmm. I thought it was the assault of the girl near Seattle. It was actually the legend is Cobain was reading about the Green River Killer when he wrote it. And then that happened. So it be, kind of became more relevant. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But apparently that's the origin of the song. Yeah. Incredibly dark. And Nirvana did have those. They had kind of these, you know, these poppy songs, but there's very dark undertone to them. And Polly is, I'd say, one of the darkest ones out there so i'm definitely going with that one number two also coming from the 90s and tj you and i have discussed this one before uncle tom's cabin by warrant yep a deeply and insidiously disturbing song it really oh. is excellent mm-hmm. use um, of the phrase insidiously very oh, yes, nice try. did well um because warren had of course cherry pie and you know i saw red and they were kind of that glam rock early 90s not quite grunge sound uncle tom's cabin is dark very it's really dark and as you haven't heard it the the sort of through line of the song is a witness to a murder which is then covered by a corrupt police force and yeah of course the famous line i know who put the bodies in the wishing well so uncle tom's cabin creeps up on you you don't see it but there it is um and then my number one thank you both i'm sure you probably had this on your list and you're like nah will's gonna take it so let's give me give me the boss folks from my favorite album by the boss i'm going with nebraska of course, focusing yep. on the spree killings of Charles Starkweather in the 50s. Yeah, I, that's come up on our list a couple times. That's come up well, like I said, in conversation. It's my favorite, my favorite Springsteen album, and I get a lot of heat for that because everyone's like, why is it Nebraska? I'm like, it's a unique album. It's interesting. It's dark. Is that the same album with Little Pink Houses on it? That's not Bruce Springsteen, but thanks for playing. Yes, it is. It's totally Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yep. so it has come up a number of times, but yes, yeah, so incredibly <laughs> dark, and I think very definition of a murder ballad by the boss there. Yeah, well done on that. So Thank you. Uh, all right, now we're actually going to move to Not Scary Songs. And the reason why I chose this is because there has been kind of a film gimmick now of using songs that are a great juxtaposition in film. So it would be a song that might not be considered creepy or scary that is played over what might be a scary moment in the movie. So I was like, well, let's let's take a look at that because let's also maybe talk a little bit about how scary the scene is and would it be different if you used a different song. So I'm going to go last on this. Uh, so one of you guys fight it out for going first. Okay, so I only did four. Well, you uh, had a rough mine time. Mine are in no particular order. Now, um, you guys you guys must know that my brother doesn't actually watch movies. Yeah. And I was he... specifically just I was specifically told, yeah, one on your list, you can't you can't <laughs> <laughs> I had five. 
did do the assignment. But, you did uh, the assignment. I'm proud of you, but... I'll, I'll defer. This isn't a straight-up horror movie. There are certainly horror elements to it, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, and that would be You Could Be Mine from T2 by Guns N' Roses. Great choice. I would say uh, that has the elements of horror because it's it's got an invasion. It's got a lot of body dysmorphia. It's got... It's got and at elements the time, of horror. The best special effects I had ever seen. It Hands that really down, blew my mind when I saw it. Hands down, still some of the best special effects, especially like where the T one thousand is walking through the bars of mm-hmm. the jail and he gets the gun stuck. It still looks phenomenal. Really still, does. It does. Still looks good. And of course they use that I think when it's very early in the movie when you are introduced to John Connor. It's, it kind of sets the tone for him being kind of a little shit. Oh, when he's on the bike? Yeah. Did you call him Because it robs the ATM. And, and you can actually read a story about how that song came to be. It actually had been written, I think, earlier by Axel and maybe Izzy and didn't make Appetite and then kind of re- resurrected it. They're, they're, the Use Your Illusions albums were going to drop right around the time, not long after T2 hit theaters they you know guns and roses knew the movie was going to be huge they got to go arnold i think invited them to a screening of the movie with it was just like director cast you know and guns and roses <laughs> they were the people who were there and when it was over actually walked up to to either arnold or those, uh, whoever and just said we're, well yes we're in yeah please use our song <laughs> yeah so um next i'm gonna go with this is kind of a daffy one, if you've seen the movie. Um, it's from American Werewolf in London, and I think it's Sam Cooke doing a cover of Blue Moon. Yeah. There is a cover of Blue Moon. Is it Sam Cooke, though? I think it's Sam Cooke singing it that. You, you you can double-check me, but it's played during the transformation scene. <laughs> and that's a very odd song to be playing in that particular yes. scene. Uh, very strange juxtaposition, but um, that's that's a great... already talked about. You know, Rick Baker did the special effects, and for the transformation and he built the werewolf too. So a little yeah. callback earlier, I'll skip over what I had next. Uh, no. <laughs> um, my third offering is going to be Tom Petty and the heartbreakers, American girl from silence of the, uh, from silence of the lambs. Yes. Oh, good one. Yes. Is that the car um, and, scene? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think, and I had to look it up. I didn't remember the character's name. I think it was, her name was Catherine Morris, but Buffalo bill is about to kidnap her. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's so it's so scary. Yeah. That's um, that's an excellent example. Okay. I actually thought of another one, so I will have five. I'm going to throw in uh, another one from An American Werewolf in London. That would be CCR's Bad Moon Rising, which is usually yeah. actually kind of humorous yep. effect. Yeah. Well, it's um, also the intro, isn't it? Like, that's the opening sequence is Bad Moon Rising. I think so. I will tell you guys with a burning passion, I, I hate John Landis so much yeah so 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 much that's pretty much all i have to say about american werewolf and 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 excellent transformation okay the last one for me is probably bending the rules a tiny bit because it's considered a little bit of a creepy or scary song we're we're so so strict we're so tight we're so rock solid and airtight and by the book otherwise oh yeah but that would be Blue Oyster Colts, Don't Fear the Reaper from the first Halloween movie. Okay. Nice. Well done. Yes. And if you'll, if you'll remember, there are a couple of characters named Anna and Laurie, maybe? I think that's right. Yeah, but it's Laurie Strode. They're, they're, 
they're driving down the road and the song is almost background noise. It's so low, but it's there. And it it's it is a very creepy prelude to what's to come because Michael Myers is following them. So yeah. Imagine how things might unfold. So anyway, that's my list. All right. Nice. Mr. Will the Thrill, why don't you take the floor? Oh. I will say really quick before you do, well done, my non-cinephile brother. I'm yeah. proud of you. Hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there is one thing, though, that you guys can't deny about me is that if I know something about something, I can talk about it for hours. And horror movies just happen to be one of those subjects. Well, one is horror trivia the other night, so we're happy we, about that. We actually did. We won a hundred dollar yeah. gift card to the bar that we played trivia at, and we got we were two away from a perfect game, and it was all horror movie and video game trivia. That's pretty awesome. And I'm there were like thirty questions. Yeah, it was several rounds of yeah, maybe about thirty. Yeah, it's about thirty questions, and we only missed two. And one was about a video game, and the other one was a movie that is on our list to watch, and we've both seen it before, but uh, we haven't seen it in a while, and I could not remember that Candyman's job when he was human was a painter. And the other one was like, what was the gun that Luigi uses to bust the ghosts in Haunted Mansion? I'm like, oh, God, I have no idea. It was Luigi's Mansion, which I've never played. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the two we missed. And so I'm okay. I took the L on those two. But we won. So I'm proud of my, my horror film knowledge. That actually got from my brother. And he abandoned it. He left it. And I picked <laughs> up the mantle. Pick up. I picked up the mantle. So here we are. So go ahead, honey. <laughs> All right. Kicking mine off with what I think is a remake, but I don't know exactly. In 2009, they did House of the Devil. And, it's, uh, it's technically not a remake. It is it's named. Not. Okay. It's it's named after the first recognized, really the recognized horror film, which I do believe was 1889. That's okay. widely considered That's to be was. the first horror film. There might be others, but no. Stylistically, that film is phenomenal. If you've not seen House of the Devil, it is amazing. And it it's shot in 2007, 2008, and it looks like it was shot in the 70s. Yes, it's crazy how they do it. Yes. And, uh, there's a wonderful scene where the babysitter puts on her Walkman and begins dancing through the house to One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix. And so good. it's the whole song. <laughs> they do the whole song. So good. Yeah, and it's amazing. So that's going to be my number five. My number four is probably one of the most, you laugh because it's so awkward. And I'm going with I Remember You by Slim Whitman in Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. And it was, it's, also, I believe in Mars Attacks as well, isn't it? Is it the same song? Or is it they use Slim Whitman. I don't know if it's the same song, though. Yeah. Um, but you all know the shot that, if you've seen the film that I'm talking about, where it pulls back from when he's got the gun pointed at the cop and just is waiting we and were, waiting and waiting. <laughs> we were in the theater. I saw that in the theater because I was super excited that Rob Zombie was directing something. Mm -hmm. And the theater for a horror film was creepy silent like during that scene and you wait like a couple of seconds and then you hear nervous laughter and you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we're like, well, it's not frozen. He keeps pulling back, but it's completely silent, completely mm -hmm. silent. And then it keeps and going on, the gun. <laughs> and, but it goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time. It like subverts, then takes away and then just throws it right back in your face and the gun goes off. It's, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It's such, good job, a, Ram Zavi. Yeah. such a good, good use. job. Yeah. 
Number three is actually going to, I have to give a nod to my auteur, Wes Craven, Dawkins Into the Fire oh, from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Which is great. And for those of you saying, but Will, that was made for the film, to you I say, wrong, sir, wrong. That song actually came out on Dawkins' Tooth and Nail album three years before it was on Dream Warrior. You could Thank also you have gone for anything, anything by Drama Rama, but you didn't. That was Nightmare on Elm Street 4. But you but could yes, have chosen I could have. <laughs> I go with three. Three is the best one. It's my favorite. That's um, that's that's one I should have I should have remembered. But Dokken? Yeah. But Don it's so great Dokken. when it's it's a Patricia Arquette building the paper mache house. And you yep. know it's like slowly yeah. comes in. Great intro. Well done. Yeah. And number two is a song that just creeps me out anyway. And I've said this before on the podcast. Roller coaster by the Ohio players. It is I, it's it's creepy. It's an unsettling song, and it was used with such great effect in the film's not that great, but I do enjoy the series, and that is Final Destination, the third installment. Well, they do a fantastic match cut from the... Sorry if I'm spoiling Final Destination 3 for you, you but they do a fantastic match cut of the flaming tanning beds to the (laughs) two coffins. It's so great. It was one of those things you're like, do I laugh or do I... I don't know whether or not to laugh. <laughs> like you're you're in the theater going, I is this? You know, I'm gonna do it. Ha ha. ha. Okay, other yeah, people did it. I'm fine. <laughs> it is largely considered the weakest of the series, but the use of that song as the quote death no, is it's approaching not. song. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is not. It's not the weakest. No, four is the weakest. I don't know if it's worse than three. Yes, it is. It's it's, it's bottom of the. It's a race to the bottom either way. No, four with the stupid the the, the such deep characters. You can't even remember their names. It's like the racist that was at a NASCAR race. Like that's the, the everything about four is the worst. Yes. Sorry. And three has Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's great. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so roller coaster by the high players. And then for my number one, I'm actually gonna give you guys a twofer. One Ooh. song, two movies. I feel like I might know what it is. Many of you know that the carpenters freak me out. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, okay. they, they really bother me. Like, if you put it on, I will be convinced that something is going to come out of the darkness and get he me. Can't, he can't piss a drop around the antique furniture of the carpenters. <laughs> no, nope. Leave it. Um, which is funny because my parents... Specifically canopy beds. Like, yes, canopy, canopy beds, beds. But my parents had... The carpenters were their wedding song, right? It was a... Yep. Uh, yep, close to you. Close to you, yeah. But they creep me out. I don't know why the carpenters creep me out. Um, and it was used... <laughs> In two films, both of which I really enjoy. Uh, one is the writer that we left off the list inexplicably, probably one of the best of all time. And that is from the film 1408, adapted from the Stephen King story. Yeah. The song is We've Only Just Begun. Yeah. Yep. And it was used again in probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Another auteur who unfortunately didn't make our list, but, you know, he is one of the greatest. And that's uh, John Carpenter. He did a movie in the mid to late 90s called In the Mouth of Madness. And it is genius sheer brilliance um and they use the same song the carpenters and i get freaked out every time yeah and uh, a lot of the, the a lot of films that we were actually talking about are on our 31 for 31 film list so mouth of madness is on there yep we will be re-watching that this october and honorable mention goes to tim capello for mm. i still believe in the lost boys <laughs> thank you very much all right t were you trying to say something no, I was very lightly in the background saying, just like me, I belong <laughs> to thee. That's bothering me. Love to you. And now if I get kidnapped and tied to a chair and someone's playing that song, it's one of our listeners. 
I know it's one of the three of you. <laughs> but we love you three, so. We love you. Please keep listening and don't play the characters. All right, so my list to wrap out this Spooky Seasons, Slap Nuts. First one, I don't know if it counts because we've already established him as creepy, but that would be When the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash from Dawn of the Dead. So great. Uh, I've never seen it. Chunker, <laughs> weird. Never seen it. Love, love the song. One of my favorites from Cash, but I, I'm not familiar with that movie. I feel like you probably wouldn't enjoy it. I feel like you, you, you might not like it. Like just knowing your, your pension for certain genres, I don't, I don't think you'd like it. Plus, it's Zack Snyder, and I couldn't believe like when I found out it was Zack Snyder, I was like, oh my god, I actually like a Zack Snyder movie. That's weird, but uh, good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's really good. I wish Zach had kind of stayed in that same vein because I probably would have been a fan of his, but I'm just, I'm not. So uh, the next one, I'm actually shocked that neither of you picked, especially you, Travis, is Hip to be Square by from American Psycho. It's Huey nice. Lewis in the Newsman. <laughs> one of the most memorable sequences in the entire film, actually parodied by Huey Lewis himself with Weird Al Yankovic. It's genius. For what? I don't know. They probably just showed up at the same place and were like, let's film this. So it's it's great, and it's also a fantastic monologue. The whole scene is just mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> this is kind of the thing that sort of kicked off this whole list. I actually put Angel of the Morning from It <laughs> on the list. It's ridiculous. It doesn't fit. It is totally out of place. I was laughing. And I feel like that might take you out of the movie a little bit, but that's kind of got my gears returning because I'm like, man, they used Juice Newton in a horror film while this leper is puking in this guy's face. That's a lot of weird. And oh, TJ, gosh. if you're if you're curious, TJ, I'm actually talking about it 2017, uh, it chapter two, which I think came out like a year or two later. So I can't. I know 2017 was when the first one came out, but. Of course, I have to have some Queen on my list. Hey, 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 I just, hey, I just came up with a little song uh, relating to that. Okay. You say this like I give shit, doo <laughs> Fair I enough. Seen that. Fair I enough. Seen anything? I know. I know. Uh, actually, this film that I'm about to talk about, I feel like you might like because it's really clever. And of course, I have to have Queen on my list, and so I have "Don't Stop Me Now." from Queen, <laughs> uh, which is in Shaun of the Dead. It's on random. It's on random. It's a fantastic scene. Well done. Love Simon Pegg. Love Nick Frost. Love Edgar Wright. Love everything about it. Three Corner Trilogy is phenomenal. We just finished watching a three-part video essay from Ryan Hollinger about the Three Corner Trilogy, and uh, it was amazing. So, uh, But Shaun of the Dead was what really introduced me to that team. And I remember when I saw it in the film, like when I saw it in the theaters, A, I didn't know what I was watching. B, I broke a tooth in the theater. And that would happen again years later with the Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, San Andreas, but I chipped it on the other side of my mouth. So really broken more teeth in the movie theater than oh, I have okay, anywhere wait, else. Stop, stop, stop. You, you don't say... I broke two teeth in a movie theater without offering some degree of explanation. <laughs> Both of them were candy. Both of okay. them, the first one was I was eating peanut M&Ms and I shattered the bottom tooth on the left-hand side. And then 
San Andreas, I broke the top one on a piece of popcorn. So Will does not allow me to eat popcorn anymore. <laughs> it's too expensive. Yeah. So perhaps you should perhaps you should take some Jello or <laughs> I had Jello some, last some night. Sponge cake or, or something. I don't know. Probably. So strawberry shortcakes. Do they do they sell marshmallows? <laughs> Circus peanuts only. Hey, look, we we made a circle. We come full circle. <laughs> full circle. We're done. I think we have to stop now. Yeah. Uh, well, we're almost done. I'm going to give an honorable mention that I'm going to close out the show, and then we're going to play the song almost drove a riff through our entire show. So honorable mention goes to a show, a movie. I know my brother would has never seen, but I feel like you actually might like this one. It's called the final girls. That's with an S and it's the song Betty Davis eyes. Nice. And it's kind of a through line for the whole film. So if you have not seen final girls, it is a horror comedy. It's great. It's, I don't want to give any, anything away about it, but it's, one of my favorite horror comedies, which was actually going to be a category for this episode. But then we remembered my brothers on this show. So uh, we could not just say, what's your favorite horror comedy? Because then my brother. You know, you, I, could, I might could scrape together five of those. Uh, they'd all be older. Okay, fair. But like Transylvania 6, 5,000, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. That yeah. So. Tell you, yeah. remember Saturday the 14th? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember that one. That's going to be next week. Because if you guys don't know, we have an October. It was just a, like a, it was just like a terrible spoof of, of um, slasher movies. I love that. See, and like scary movie would have been one. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day to you. Like uh, those are all really good horror comedies. But the final goal is really good. So I do have my final choice. It's going to be the song that we play into this episode. Really quick note, TJ, without giving away what the song is, can you just talk about it a little bit? Yeah, it's used to great effect in an all-time classic. It's hard to... Uh, I'm going to let you take it, but I think it, is it, it's used more than once in the movie, isn't it? Mm, no. Isn't it used earlier? That it's when it's well, used at the very end that it's, it's just... That's when it... And that's, the weird thing is... There's nothing happening, really. No, it's not, but it's phenomenal and iconic. So there's there's literally nothing happening when they show it, and it is one of the creepiest damn things you will you will ever see. Ever, ever, ever. Yep. So I'm just gonna give our socials out and then we'll close out the show and then we'll both explain to you what the song is and then why I was like, You can't have that. <laughs> but if you think we're doing a great job. You can go over to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. And don't forget, in just a couple of weeks, we will be dropping Edmund Thea's new show on Patreon. And then it will become a part of this show after it's been released for two weeks. And there are also some really amazing tiers that you guys can get. So if you'd like to wander over there, you can go to patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. Twitter, no, it's become the new website. Because here's the thing. We haven't posted in like almost two years. But then we found out that Elon Musk is going to be charging you. And we're like. We're out. Totally out. Sorry. So no Twitter. 
Our Instagram is Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Facebook is Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Still not saying our website. Our TikTok is Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. And you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven LT at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at PantheonPodcast.com, including the show that I am now producing called Getting Real with John and Beth. And they're covering uh, some amazing pop culture stuff, reality TV, music. And uh, if you guys are wondering who John and Beth are, I know that our, I feel like our audience might skew a little bit older. If not, I believe you can actually go on to the Paramount Network, I believe, and watch it. They are the stars of season two of The Real World on MTV. Which I actually did watch. Yay! Yes. So John and Beth are some awesome folks. They're doing really cool deep dives into different pop culture entities. We had creator of the real world john murray on eric niece tech money it was also on there they've got a really a really good robust schedule coming up so if you're interested in reality tv or catching up with some of your favorite reality tv stars go over and check getting real with john and beth i will link it in our description below as well and you may or may not be hearing a new podcast from me i don't know we're talking about it i don't know it might be movie based i don't know maybe what would you guys think about that? Let's find out. Of course, if you guys want to weigh in on anything, please make sure to head over to our socials on Facebook at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod and share your ideas and your lists. We'd love to hear them. Sometimes we actually get to find out new stuff. Somebody will mention a movie that I've never heard of, which is crazy, but it happens and I end up loving it. So please go and share your thoughts as well. So the, the final song that we're going to play... Uh, the reason why I told my brother he couldn't have it was because I've actually been to the real hotel. I watched it, <laughs> the sequel, mm-hmm. with the director. It was the first movie that ever watched on my own. It was certainly the first horror film I ever saw on my own. I drove down to the video store, not drove, I rode my bike down to the video store and rented it at the age of 12 when mom and dad were at a shag competition. I watch this movie at least three or four times a year. I have the Funko Pops. (laughs) I've got an entire bathroom. And I will actually post photos of my bathroom onto our Facebook page so you guys can see how much I actually love this film. It is one of my top three all-time favorite films. Travis, why don't you take it away? Hey, so funny story, everybody. I had what they in radio call a hard out, like a time when I had to leave. And I'm actually in my car. Amazing. We're wrapping up now. So uh, since my brother doesn't seem to have a great signal, I'll cap it off. The song that we're going to wrap up with is Midnight, The Stars and You from The Shining. It is absolutely chilling, haunting. It's beautiful, but it's not scary at all. It's this just classic song that's just got this old feel to it. And when you listen to it, it makes absolute sense why it's in The Shining. And so that's what we're going to close out with is the Midnight, Midnight, the stars, and you. PJ, can you say anything to the audience? Bye, everybody. All right, Will the Thrill. Stay golden, pony boys and pony girls. Perfect. So we will see you guys next week for the start of the Dwayne Almond series. We might have to do that solo since my brother is going to be on vacation. So that might just be me and Will the Thrill starting that series out. And you guys have a wonderful, safe, fantastic spooky season. And if you guys are doing a 31 for 31 challenge, let me know. 
I'd love to see what's on your list. We'll share our own if uh, that's something that interests you guys. But in the end, we just love you guys all, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 